All right, ladies and gentlemen. So happy to have you here on a Thursday night. It's one of my favorite nights of the week on this show. I don't know. There's just something about Thursday where you, my chest starts to loosen up a little bit. And I'm allowed to just sink into whatever the hell we got going on in the, in the evening. And then what happens? You go home and the next day's set Friday. And what better day to wrap up the week than a Friday, am I right? So, welcome to the show. It's quite frankly, it's the pre-show and we are going into a, uh, a really wonderful format tonight and I can't wait to introduce you to everybody. We got uh, a good friend in the, in the studio right now and we're gonna get to him in just a second. But I also just wanna say thank you again to everybody who has made this week so special. All the wonderful people in the audience who have been uh, so supportive and having a good time. I really, really have uh, enjoyed myself greatly. So that's what we're going to be starting off with a little bit of gratitude. We have a return guest. His name is George Alexopoulos. I mean, Alex Georgiopoulos. He's, He's back. Artist extraordinaire. Good friend of the show. Good friend of mine. How you been, man? I'm very good. I'm pleased to be here on time. Uh, unlike last time, I think I was just like a little late. Maybe I was you, trying to find parking. You, the last time you were here, though, you were a, a, a last-minute addition because Chrissy, Chrissy Mayer, and Frank were here. Yes, and you were a last-minute addition, and still you, you showed up with plenty of time. The real issue that night was I had a complete technical meltdown with this with this uh, i don't know what the where the malware came from mm-hmm. but it was a it, it was a horrible night i we, remember yeah we yeah. didn't stop start until like eight o'clock because it was so bad i had, I had you know uh people who were not me trying to get us back up and running but man uh, a lot has happened since that that night because i think we're talking well the last time i saw you was the christmas party last year yes so it's almost been a year a and year it, huh and it's been a busy one yeah and one of the things we're going to be talking about tonight is, uh, among everything, where there's just so many topics that we're going to be doing, but uh, we're going to be joined by Razorfist in a little bit. It's the first time he's been on this show. And you guys are about to release a project. Yes. Uh, I can't wait. It's a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about this at great length when he's on, but uh, you did all of the uh, the illustration for it. and. Uh, what from what I've been able to see, it's just breathtaking as usual. You got a talent. You got a real gift. Oh shucks. Yeah, all shucks. <laughs> take the compliment, you son of a bitch. <laughs> just take that thing. Never. Anyway, so uh, but aside from that, how would you say your year has been? Uh, very busy since I started full production on the book. It's been sort of. Um, <sighs> It's dizzying. You don't know what day of the week it is half the time. I don't even go outside some days. Uh, But, uh, you know, I've been following the news, trying to follow the news, and just trying to get this book out on time. I'm a little late, actually. Um, So maybe Razor will kick my ass a little bit, and I deserve it. But um, I'm looking forward to next year. Once the books ship, I might take a few weeks off, do a little bit of traveling. Uh, I could talk about it later, but... um, it's yeah it's just been a huge whirlwind and obviously with news and politics and stuff i'm just watching biting my nails to the bone and who knows what's going to happen sort of thing but it's like at least i'm busy at least i have work thank god last year i didn't even know how much i don't remember if um i was complaining about my patreon thing last time yeah i don't remember yeah so ever since then it's like i didn't even know where my next paycheck was going to come from 
So thank God it all worked out with this project. Uh, so it's been a huge blessing to actually have work and have income for a little while. Well, you know, that's the thing about us, uh, as us artists, us, we, on the artistic creative side of things is that it's very rare that you can, you find the artist and the businessman are, are one in the same. Um, if you're really, if you're really (laughs) neck deep in the creative, sometimes you don't know. And, and, and if that creative does have an audience and you, you realize you have a, a good audience at at that, (laughs) sometimes you don't see the obvious ways of making a uh, a living out of it and it's hard to put two and two together like what do i do i have the product i have the i have the network size but how do i plug it together and be able to pay my bills yeah that that's a, a common problem i have to say i mean you can have an amazing product but you don't have the network or you have the network but you don't have the product and there's so many things that have to be connected at the same time artists i mean i don't want to get too into it if uh, you have other topics to talk about but no like, I mean, even finding a publisher back in the day, like before I did pure freelance, I was always worried about who's going to publish me. Will anyone publish me? Publishers wouldn't even talk to me. And then I just started doing self-publishing and I realized I can just make my own audience, you know, using social media and all that stuff. And then I just find, uh, I found printers. I, at first I printed my own books. And for Ghost of the Badlands, for instance, we have like 5,000 books to print. So I'm using an external production facility but it's a place that i trust and i've worked with in the past so it's like we'll print the books we'll ship you the books and all i have to do is draw the book and so razor trusts me with that sort of thing we talked about it for a while you know mm-hmm. we just said look let's just do the indie thing like last time we don't need to go through publishers or whatever we have an audience both he and i and we said to our audience hey we're making this cool book do you guys want it and a lot of people came uh came to the whatever you want to call it the like, indiegogo yeah and, and they just said yeah yeah we'd love we'd love to read this book and i said all right cool uh, give me a few months uh six seven months whatever yeah it's a little over time um but yeah it's it's going to be a cool book you have samples in front of you later we could talk about yeah i've been i was thumbing through these samples and man <laughs> i can't i've been waiting that's why i you know, I, I messaged you about a week or so ago and mm-hmm. i just wanted to make sure i didn't get the timeline screwed up because um i have one of uh, razor fist's other books but I, I, I wanted to make sure that I, I had this the second it was available. Oh, I was going to bu- bring Death Mask. Do you have Death Mask or? What's the other one? I forgot to bring the mo- uh, uh, Night Vale. I think that's the one I have. Okay. I'm pretty I, sure. I, I screwed up. I, I said I was going to bring Death Mask and I forgot. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss this one. Okay. So I, I, was, I was actually a little happy that you were late because then that means that I wasn't going nuts. Hey, let me ask you. When you and Razor were putting this, uh, making this... Uh, this um, this relationship, uh, a professional one. Did you tell him about your uh, poop knife story? Poop knife? Yeah, the poop knife. Remind me. Poop what, knife. What are you talking about? Wait Rem- a second. Remind you. Are you messing with me? Wait. No, you told the whole the whole you poop told knife. my whole the whole audience about right. about your poop knife. Poop. Yeah, knife. The knife that you use to cut your poop. Oh, that's a real story, isn't it? I, I have sequels. <laughs> what? Wait, first of all, the, the way you said it, it was horrifying. Like, I'm sure if somebody... All right. Yes, I had to cut a poop with a knife because it wasn't flushing. You can't just you can't just drop that on me. I can't explain the story. Okay. No, Razor's now going to think I'm a psycho that cuts knives, uh, poops with knives, man. I had... Do you want me to explain this? Well, I mean, we, we can... Guys, it, I had a poop. It was big. It wasn't flushing. What are you going to do? You have to cut it in half of the knife. 
Son of a... You know, you have to work it out. We got to open with this now, and I got to explain this to... Great, now I sound like a psycho. Well, you know what you can do, because, you know, when I was... when I was No, everybody's had to... <laughs> oh, God. Everybody's had to deal with stuff like that before, but, you know, I Not... would love... I would love it, because when, when I was reading... You know, as I'm reading through all the information that's available about uh, the Ghost of the Badlands, I'm saying to myself, you know, this has... There's got to be in the future a, a a scene where the villain is is you know is like somebody knocks on the on the outhouse door like hey what are you doing in there and he's just like you know cutting I got to get rid of this evidence I- <laughs> it's not flushing <laughs> sometimes it's you know like cliffhanger when Stallone's hanging on both sides of yes the, sometimes you got to poo that's right across the hole it's not going down it's hanging on for dear life <laughs> what are you gonna punch it down what are you gonna do you can't, you're, you're not gonna get rid the of the water's me. not making <laughs> go not- down. I'm not going anywhere. I got, I got, I got big poops. What yeah, am I gonna sometimes do? the water just does not break the log. I eat more salad nowadays since I told you that story, and you know it's fine. Now. All you gotta do is just drink. Uh, if you have at least two liters of water a day, and have that yeah. in that first liter, make sure that you have a teaspoon, at least a teaspoon, a full teaspoon of Celtic sea salt or pink Himalaya salt. I'm mm-hmm. telling you that 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 thing is salt. Uh, it's going to keep you hydrated in all the right ways, and you—you—it doesn't matter what you eat. Your your poop will, will be, uh, will be nice. Soft. Yes. Anyway, I I, <laughs> I just wanted. To, speaking of cliffhanger, cliffhanger, okay. I love that movie so much. As a kid, right. uh, when that came out, and it was starting to be on pay per view because you know back then pay per view, it's whatever movie came out and it's their turn. It's going to play that nonstop for a couple of weeks, yeah. and then another movie comes up. So when Cliffhanger came out, my brother and I we loved it. So we would have to we turned our bunk beds into a mountain. That's awesome. And so we would try to find new ways of climbing up the bunk bed. We would use like belts as straps and we're and we're pretending like <laughs> we're like we lo- loved it so and, and I said to myself maybe about 2 or 3 weeks ago, you know, I haven't seen that movie in at least 20 years. I want to watch this again. And then I saw that Netflix added it. So I I, I put it on my watch list. I got to do it soon. Yeah. I felt that way about Copland and I rewatched Copland and I'm like, wow, this sucks. <laughs> when I was younger, I was like, oh, this is so artistic. Stallone's back, and I didn't even know he was gone. You know, I was just a kid. I was watching Rambo. He's back. Demolition Man. I was like, this is just a boring movie where he's a cop in Edgewater, New Jersey. What's the other one? What's the other one that he was... Uh, the artsy one? Get no, Carter? No. No, no, no. The, the one where he was in the like the, the, the Lincoln Tunnel or something like that. Uh, Daylight. Daylight. Yeah. Yeah, where he helps uh, everybody get out of the tunnel. I don't remember that being good. I don't either. That was around the time when he was starting to uh, put out duds. But I, you know, I liked like Demolition Man. Now, if you rewatch it, have you ever seen it? No. Oh my God, it's so relevant to like it's like 1984 and all those dystopian. But it's also really funny. I guarantee if you watch that soon, you'll be your mind will be blown. Like they, I'll get it. they predicted 2023 perfectly. I'll take a look at it. I I, I uh, Judge Dread definitely. I didn't miss that one. Yeah. But uh, but Demolition Man, I'm gonna have to watch. You know what? Let's start this one off because Razor's gonna be with us soon, and. Um, well, he's a big Stallone fan too. I'm sure he'll be able to tell us. Oh, absolutely. Me. I mean, uh, we. we I, gotta... I knew about Razor because he uh, reviewed Cobra. Way back in the day. I mean, that was his that was his uh, default for yeah. a long time. And Cobra, I, I've talked about Cobra on this show many times. In fact, if my if I wasn't having a 
I have a uh, soundboard over here that's always glitching on me, but I have. Uh, you want to go to hell with me? I, I have. I have. I want a, your eyes, pig, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Want to go to hell, pig? I, always, <laughs> I love that movie. I, I, it, Cobra is amazing. It's so good. Yeah. It really is. Um, the pre-Antifa psychos. Uh, seriously, we, we got to cleanse the world of the weak. But you know what? That is the. Let's just start this one yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. We'll be right back, everybody. Don't go anywhere. Everybody knows shit. Fuck. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! this song make you feel george i like it it's like a chill hop you damn right it is yeah and you know what it's called tell me it's called autumn's evening breeze by sound providers right. and uh, what better night than uh, an autumnal evening like tonight to play something like this adding it to my list yes that's it oh i've got plenty of things for you you should actually you should actually thumb through all of the quite frankly mixtape i've got a uh, collection of well over 300 songs now that are directly related to the nightly selections. That's all on uh, Spotify. I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right. Uh, so we have... We got a couple of things over here that I want to bring up. <clears throat> so we're going to be talking a little bit about what's going on in, in uh, with Hollywood, how they can't really self-actualize the, the, the biggest problem with their industry. And I think it really goes and... Uh, it creates a nice, a nice contrast to what people like you and Razor are doing with the with the new book and and everything else. There's also a couple other things I wanted to bring up. A couple other things, um, uh, namely, some weirdness. First of all, did you hear about Eddie Bauer? No. Eddie Bauer, um, they have a pretty important announcement about how their faux shearling uh, designs are now available. But um, more specifically, take a look at this. They want to let everybody know that faux shearling, uh, it was it used to be known as their, I guess their Sherpa, <laughs> their Sherpa designs. An important note on the use of culturally appropriate term in this product description, Eddie Bauer has replaced the term Sherpa 
with faux shearling as a part of our company-wide effort to remove culturally appropriated designs, terms, and names from current and future products, Sherpa refers to an indigenous people native to Tibet and Nepal in the eastern Himalayas of Central Asia. Learn more about our efforts here. How many uh, Tibetans you think were protesting Eddie Bauer in the last uh, year or so that this was this became a thing? I mean, no offense to them. Do they have like technology to even know this is happening? No. I mean, no, they, they, they don't. This is not a thing. This is not a thing, but this is the... <laughs> I mean, this is exactly what we're, we're dealing with now. Is They're chilling, meditating. They don't care about this. No, they don't. There's never any... There's never any real... But again, this, I think, this kind of consciousness of where we are, or this fake, phony consciousness, is really the thing that has taken down most art and most creative spaces uh, that uh, have been deemed in the past as cultural institutions they're 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 just rotting from this and um we'll we'll see exactly where the hell uh it goes from there there's another thing i don't know if you've seen this but tech mogul brian johnson did you see that he underwent shock therapy on his penis brian johnson do i know yes. that name no you're thinking about acdc <laughs> But th this is a, I, this guy. He said he he's been shocking his genitals because he wants to get a, <laughs> what he says. Uh, let me get this. Let me get this up on the screen. What he says he wants the erections of an 18 year old. He wants to have erections or re yeah, he, receive them. No, no, he wants to have them <laughs> from 18 year old. Yes. Now I don't know. It's just. I, How old is he, though? Th he's in his 50s, 40s. Is, oh, he's 46. So he's struggling at 46? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, here, here he is, 46-year-old biohacker who spends $2 million on various treatments each year um, to fight off Father Time. He said that he is also he's hard at work keeping his manhood operating at full capacity as long as possible. Why? It, is he? Does he have... Is he, how many children? I don't understand this. What are you talking about? Full capacity for as long as possible. <clears throat> I mean, so he doesn't want to use like bag or something. Is, is, so that's what I was wondering. Uh, does this mean that he is, is oh. Biohacker. He's been thwarting erectile dysfunction. Yeah. So I guess that's what he has. Or he doesn't want to get there. He doesn't want to use the pills, so he, sh he electrocutes himself. But is he trying to prevent, that's what I don't get. <clears throat> so he's, he's struggling with, I mean, you know, maybe straight, whatever. He's, he's not he's not finding satisfaction with his partner. You're right. Partners. And so <laughs> one day he takes a fork and he sticks it in an outlet and he says, you know what? This is really getting me going. You think he, he it's, actually... It's, it's like uh, autoerotic asphyxiation, except electrical. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot. You got to watch out. Plugging into a wall like that, that's not... I mean that's a, that's a lot all at once, man. That's just one thing you have. You had those those tens units. It's just, you know there's a little bit that comes out of there, but uh, just, just go right into the walls. Something else. Um, let's see here. Johnson, 46 year old biohacker, two million a year. The eccentric millionaire said he's been thwarting erectile dysfunction through focused shockwave therapy. Johnson said on an episode of Diary of a CEO podcast published on Wednesday. I think that's the podcast that Jordan Peterson was on that uh, our buddy Ping Trip did a, a supercut of, him crying. Uh, there's, a, there's this technology, you have a wand and you sit in the chair, and the technician uses the wand and basically shocks your penis through acoustic technology, and then I, <clears throat> I guess you feel like an 18-year-old again. <laughs> so he's, he's not like getting zap-zapped, it's kind of like a, 
low you know he looks like he, he, lo he would use that i was just going to say he looks like this is the kind of thing that he would be doing he has oddly smooth face flesh he looks like data from from <laughs> from star trek so yeah it, he has plugged himself into walls before you could tell and the erections of an 18 year old well my uh my biggest thing here is that if you're going to spend two million dollars a year on biohacks to keep yourself young even though i mean you, you, he seems like he's in uh, decent shape but he still looks old and uh, it's just like he looks like an, an a young old person older it, it just i don't know yeah but, you could tell from his neck you can always see from the, not to be like an art nerd but like you always can tell people's ages by like if they have really smooth faces but then you look at the neck and you can see like there's aging there right it looks like they're wearing a mask dude are you are you chewing gum right now i'm sorry oh that i'll that, spit it out yeah that's gotta go bro yeah here we go people are gonna k kill me and i'm gonna kill myself no problem okay so speaking of uh wow well, but but, but, but you know the thing is i'm looking at this i'm saying two million dollars and why is he so pale? <clears throat> why no sun? Well, why why is he not at least going? If you have that kind of money, then go to a <laughs> uh, go to a Caribbean island and get get some sun. The, the fact that he's this pale means that, that there's something very weird about this. I think most of this is just uh, you know S and M kind of fixations, if you ask me. Well, he's describing I'm receiving erections, but there's a technician doing this to him, so there's no like. You know, is he with a partner at this time, or how does he? What does he do with the erection once he gets it? I don't know. I don't think that it's like okay, I get charged. Like he's he's like getting charged up like Frankenstein, and then it's just you. You have <laughs> he has to run down the street without have, anybody noticing. Hey, honey, honey, I got a I got an erection. Come here. You have three hours to make this to make this work for you. There's nothing else we can do for Cops you. Cops running after him. Oh man, I don't know, George. I don't know. I don't know. I you know this is. You ever wear pants? I don't know if you're a boxer's or briefs guy. You don't, uh, right? When you wear pants, as all men sometimes do. I don't know. You're talking about slacks. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm not explaining this well, but sometimes you know if you're wearing boxers, I I have to wear jeans outside because I don't want you know the package to be you know showing and stuff. It's awkward. I don't right. want people to notice these things. Yes. But it seems like this type of fellow says you know, I'm I'm now going down the stairs. I want everyone on the street to know. Yes. I I've. I've got wood. And I bet you any money he's a sloppy. He, he definitely wears Speedos and uh, when he goes to the pool. <laughs> and he's probably, yeah. a, he's probably a sloppy tucker, too. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, that, I, I know these types. I, I, I'm getting the same vibes you are. Anyway, <laughs> we are, we, now we have a little bit more. This is going to be great. I think uh, Razor just got here, so we're going to bring him on. Um, well, I guess we'll just jump on into it to hell with it. So, welcoming to the show for the first time author, razor-tongued, cultural commentator, the Rageaholic, Razor Fist. Welcome, sir. Good to have you on. <laughs> razor-tongued? I'm not sure how I feel about that one. Uh, I feel like that's someone's fetish. <laughs> no, we were just talking about fetishes, actually. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it, it's this billionaire Brian Johnson who shocks his, 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 uh, his genitals to try to get uh, erections. That you, you heard about that? Maybe not. <laughs> I, yeah, I go out of my way to find out that kind of material. I don't I, know. What the... I know. I know. With everything, with all the, with all the, the better, the bigger headlines between Candace Owens and Owens and Ben Shapiro, this stuff, right? is, this is low level. His, and all because he responded because he, he couldn't shut. Uh, I bet when Ben Shapiro left that tweet, he felt five feet tall. 
<laughs> you know what it's like for me when I saw it, and I know exactly what you mean. It almost rem it reminded me of Roger Rabbit and the shave and the haircut. It's like it's, there's certain things you know some people cannot hold back from. They're just gonna bust through the wall, and here I am. Uh, it's just <laughs> knock it on the fire extinguisher. I'll tell you. So be careful talking about busting through walls around Ben. I, I know. know. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I think you're supposed to put your hand on it. Actually, is what, how that works. Well, Razor, let me ask you: What frightens you more, Hamas or Ben Shapiro? <laughs> ben Shapiro's influence frightens me more. Like, as soon as I, I call him Benzedrine Shapiro. Like we've already got Glenn Beck. Do we really need it in fun size? That's that's kind of my my outlook on that whole thing. He's sort of a, on his best possible day, he's sort of a redundancy. Uh, not terribly offensive usually, although motherfucker cannot admit when he's wrong. No, ever. You no. remember that whole Corey Lewandowski, Michelle Fields incident in 2016 where he went full simp mode, simp cyclone on that. Oh, my God, he assaulted her. He whatever. Somebody found the surveillance footage. No such thing occurred. Shapiro never mentioned it again. You know, never, not a retraction. Nothing. You've got great retention. Everybody knows that because I completely forgot about the Corey Lewandowski thing when that was a thing. You know, it's crazy how I was talking about this the other night um, with a guest that was on. Um, there needs to be what we were talking about, how there's such a need for archiving of these things, these headlines and these these scandals from month to month and having a way to be able to link them and remember them because things happen that we just forget about. There's just so many things we've already forgotten about. And thank God there's a lot of people out there with uh, photographic memory, but it's it's dizzying what we've been through. No, it's insane. Like the collective public memory, our, our collective short-term memory is like 1.5 seconds now at this point. It is virtually nothing. And to the point where if you point out something that happened two weeks ago, everyone's like, aha, it's like, you're supposed to remember this. This is two weeks ago. Yep. <laughs> It's ridiculous. What do you th what do you think about George? Well, I think the Shapiro thing is a good lesson of uh, don't tweet when you're emotional. And obviously, this is a very important topic to him, and I don't blame him for taking it very seriously. But I mean, these are the kinds of things where you would you know vent privately, uh, yell at a friend next to you, or just like kind of write the tweet and then delete it. I, I do that all the time. I'm pissed off about something. I'll write a tweet, maybe save a draft, and then delete it later. But I still send things that I shouldn't send, and I get into fights that I shouldn't get into. Mostly like, dick pics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I draw way too many uh, sexy men, I guess. And uh, what? <laughs> I'm also a children's book author, friends. Hi. Yeah, yeah. Buy our new. That's something else that you should. Uh, some kind of a fight club. Uh, flash a Rooney that you right. just you just throw it into the next book some, somehow. Spons <laughs> Club. There we go. <laughs> Plug our dicks into the electrical socket. Well, well, you know, you know how they said, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you. I'm gonna especially ask uh, Razor tonight about some. I have some Disney questions, oh but um, like when we when we grew up, I still I don't know where the hell they are, but we had all of those those puff packet VHS Disney tapes. Yeah, yeah. And everybody talking about it. You know, there's a there's a, a dildo that is <gasps> that's hidden inside of uh, King, Little Mermaid. King Triton's castle and sure, stuff sure, like yeah. that. <laughs> so it's like where 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 have those things been hidden that nobody's ever found it before? Yeah. That's what I want to know. 
it's hilarious too because like with how bad the press has been for disney i remember going on podcasts and stuff and being like does anybody remember when like the worst controversy about a disney film was there's a dick tower on the little mermaid <laughs> cover and like there's somebody spelled the word sex in the lion king and dust like yeah, you yeah. remember this in butterflies by comparison yeah i had an art teacher tell us uh, oh you know scar uh, simba's uncle is gay right the whole thing's a metaphor for him being gay i'm like what and so he what? spent the next like 15 minutes explaining it to us at uh, School of Visual Arts over there, and he's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a homosexual metaphor. The whole movie is about home Oh, okay. Apparently, that's the the only metaphor there is, because uh, it, it's gotten so... Well, let, let me... Actually, let me take this to to throw this at both you guys, because, of course, you are partners in, a, in an endeavor that we're going to talk about shortly, but this is a headline I saw yesterday that I have to bring up to you. It's from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, it, the headline says, Marvel Studios taking stock of strategy amid the Marvel's meltdown. Now, I read this thing. I read this thing from top to bottom because I, I just wanted to see here. And it's it's talking about Disney's change in approach for the new year because of this these dismal ticket sales. But I had to read it from top to bottom. And aside from a single vague statement about how there is a number of reasons why a movie could flop... The only diagnosis that they're willing to make is that there's just they're putting out too many films and people can't keep up. Uh, can you go ahead and uh, Razor, you jump on this one here. Uh, is that the reason why uh, the MCU is failing? No, I mean, it, look, I predicted you would you would hit a statue. Look, even if every single movie had been excellent, and we know of late they have not been you would eventually hit a saturation point where a trend just stops selling. We're talking about, George and I are making a Western. The Western had its day. It had a long day, right? They started becoming popular in the late 40s, didn't die off until the early 70s. They had a long, long cycle there for Westerns. But the way that they did that was there would be these kind of epics right you would kind of get to the end of one era that would die off and then something would come along and rejuvenate it and whatnot that happened with superheroes right there was an initial wave of superhero movies superman batman um then we got into the 90s they started making some different ones rocketeer shadow uh phantom kind of got into a pulp era none of those were super successful though then spider-man hit and x-men and those crushed, right? So now you entered kind of a new phase of superhero movies. And then we got to the end of like 2008, nine Iron Man hits. That's the new rejuvenation, right? I feel like it happened again a little bit with like Logan and I describe these in phases, right? You kind of have the nascent phase, you have the on top of the world phase, you have the deconstruction phase and then you have the death of the genre. Because you have to hit that deconstruction phase because people have to take the old formula, take it apart, put it back together, kind of deconstruct it. You see movies like uh, Birdman and uh, Logan and Joker. These are deconstructions of superhero, And we've been in that for a minute. Mm -hmm. Folks, it's time for the decline. It's time, it's overdue. Even if all these movies had been excellent, you would hit the point where they would die off because it happens to much better genres than superheroes. It happened to film noir. It happened to westerns. It happens to every genre picture. Disaster movies, 80s fantasy. You can't talk about any genre and say this hasn't happened. 
So that's the first thing you have to understand. Yes. The other thing is <laughs> superhero films right now are in their fat Elvis phase. And frankly, I think they're entering their fat Elvis on the toilet face. I honestly think we're at that point. And it's time to just say it out loud. I predicted this years ago. I got so many turds flung my way, what, five years ago when I was like, hey, look, these are the signs. It's gonna head in this direction. And it turned out that Avengers Endgame, as I predicted at the time, proved a prophetic title. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, and I, I, I uh, admittedly have not been able to catch up with very many of these, these, uh, these movies at all. But I, I, understandably, so yeah. If you oversaturate anything, that's always going to be a thing. But uh, there's also another layer of almost like a taunting SJW uh, yeah. war, uh, you, you, and, and you, you, you think it from people who think that they're. It, it's almost as if they're acting that there's no end to the blank checks. That it's, it's always going to be funded and we're just going to go to war with people that we don't like because it's it's one thing to just have a genre of movies have its day and then uh, go away and it's another thing to just also pile on top of it with completely uh, tone deaf tone deaf decision makings in, in plots or whatever. You know, I, I could have sat down for a new Star Wars film every six months as long as I didn't have to watch Princess Leia fly through open space like Mary Poppins. You know, th th this was, uh, it's just it's just ridiculous on the face of it what's being right. done and there you go. Oh, that's just no, what I was it's, it's absurd and it's, it's derived. I think Star Wars, one of the big ways they went astray is the movies got so long and so poncy and so indulgent. These are movies that are based on Flash Gordon. These are based on like 15 minute serials from the 30s and 40s. Frankly, George Lucas was stretching it a bit. Mm. What if what if you had a modern Star Wars thing that was just adventure in outer space? What if you did like a weekly serial, tried it out in theaters or something, saw if it would work? You could even try it on a streaming service or something. But like nobody thinks in those terms because nobody even realizes the roots of Star Wars. <laughs> nobody even realizes everybody's rambling on about Joseph Campbell and the hero with a thousand faces and all this crap. And nobody realizes like, hey, wait a minute. Like George Lucas basically copied and pasted entire Flash Gordon stories. Like this is maybe we should look at the roots of this and honestly it's funny because this kind of is germane to the story that uh, george and i are doing in that it reconnects with kind of that whole era that 30s 40s era of entertainment more plot driven more uh action driven you know that kind of a thing oh yeah and, and i was looking through george uh, brought some of the samples by over here so I, i've been able to oh, oh i've been able to thumb through some of it i, I can't wait until it's uh it, it's for sale uh seriously but it's it's i have a lot of questions about it but you just said copy and paste and this is something i think uh george would definitely have an opinion on because i i saw you uh retweeted it as well it's from culture crave and it's a little announcement here that uh, Jeff Katzenberg, as as Michael Savage would say, Katzenberg, Ratzenberg. <laughs> My man, Michael Savage. <laughs> DreamWorks co-founder Jeff Katzenberg says AI will cut costs of animation movies by 90% within the next three years. Here's a quote. In the good old days, you might need 500 artists and years to make a world-class animated movie. I don't think it'll take 10% of that three years from now. He's essentially saying... AI. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's saying AI, and that uh, it doesn't seem that it's going to get any uh, better anytime soon. Nobody's listening to all of the problems that people say are actually in the storytelling. And now you're telling me that the trash is just going to keep coming out, but it's going to continue with even less human influence than before. 
Uh, George, go ahead. Well, uh, my comment to that, you know, trying to be pithy about it, uh, we should cut directors, writers, actors out of the equation and leave only producers and business people now to make movies. So there should be just a couple of poor bastard artists who can't earn a living. Like some people are getting on my case because I freaking hate AI as art. Right. And a lot of people on our side of the aisle seem to think like it's the hottest thing or whatever. It's like it's like it's a tool they want to argue. And I'm actually going to have a debate with some guy about it at some point. Um, but Matt Walsh? They were calling me Matt Walsh because yeah, I... He said, he, said a, he said a man. Um, <laughs> well, they're saying I'm Matt Walsh because I'm not embracing new technology. They think AI is a new technology. But obviously, you can tell um, by its abuses how useful it is. And I'm very much against AI because I think, like, say, the lower level um, in animation, you call it in-between frames, uh, in-between keyframes. You would hand that off to, like, interns, students, new people at the animation studio so you could train them up. And so they can get some work in, but it's not, like, high-level work. Um, so they want to cut those people out of the equation and have AI do the work or have illustrations um, done by AI. And then some poor artist would come in and paint on top of the AI. To make to give it that human touch, so it's like kind of like art laundering or something like that. Hmm. Um, oh, so dude, it's gonna hit anime hard too. A yeah. lot of anime studios got their start by doing that in between animation work on American cartoons. Yeah, a, a lot of them started out that way. Korean studios too. A lot of them, goodness, Batman the Animated Series was like half American, half Korean. Yeah. And all those people in Asia, those, a lot of those people are the ones you're gonna put out of work, which is ridiculous. You're as as badly as some anime studios have done the last several years, that'll that'll put some out of business. There's a lot of stories about those people being overworked too, and I understand that. Um, but there is uh, something very uh, insidious about AI specifically in that the the business person behind this would say this is a great tool to use. Um, but they're cutting the, I mean, not to play my hand too much, like I, I want to save some of it for that huge debate that I'm supposedly going to have with this guy. Um, but I, the idea is that we're going to cut the, all right, we can get it to Badlands a little bit. Like Razor gave me the script and I did the thumbnails and then I flew out there to the locations where the book takes place. I took pictures. I actually walked on the soil. I touched it. Wow. I, I stood in it. Like, obviously, you know, if I'm in space, I can't tell a space story by going to space. But That's incredible. Well, no, I mean, we had a good budget. And I said, I'm going to use some of that budget. I'm going to fly over there. First of all, I, I wanted to have, you know, dinner, lunch with them, you know, hang out for a little while. But yeah. aside from that, I actually wanted to go to the location so I could put my physical experience into the drawing. So if you see, there's um, a scene at, toward the back of the book that takes place in a pine forest. And I went to these pine forests and I actually walked around in them and I kind of got the vibe of what it's like. I didn't even know there were forests in Arizona. So I had to see what kind ponderosa pine or something like that. There, there's yeah. different types of trees and different types of rocks. I went to um, uh, near two guns. I, I touched all these different types of rocks and I looked at all these exhibits of what kind of rocks are on the quote badlands east of Flagstaff and stuff like that. I actually mentally needed to get this map. But who who reading this is going to care, right? But if I did this all with AI, I'm just recycling art made by other people. Or even if I'm just looking at Google Maps of photographs that other people took, it's not as rich as if I go there myself and look at little details that uh, maybe most people won't even notice. But it, it adds to the richness that the readers can tell me if they feel that richness when they read the book. You know, the, I'm looking at the back here now, too, um, and these scenes... 
This is part of the reason why, I mean, like, Razor talks at, at uh, great length about film noir, and I want to I get more into it. I have a whole box set that somebody gave to me, like, you know, Gun Crazy and Concrete Jungle. Oh. Yeah, I got I to gotta watch these. I, I, I really just want to have some basics under my, under my belt here. But what I know I do like about film noir, what I've seen is it's the aesthetic, the, the nighttime alleyway creeping around it's raining trench coat that whole thing and just looking at this actually makes me feel that same kind of coziness watching the rain looking at the rain in the forest mm. where, you, it, where you put lights is very important as well and yeah. that was influenced by uh, the german expressionists from way back in the day and they barely even knew what they were doing with uh, pre-cinema like they were taking stage plays and adding spotlights on characters like i'm sure razor you're the expert on this like they were putting all kinds of different lights and and patterns on characters like you were telling us about um if someone has a, a feeling of guilt they would put like a jail uh jail bar jails you know like jail bar kind of like yeah, lighting like sometimes you, that's how the um venetian blinds came to be right yeah. a lot of scenes in film noir eventually became a trope and today it's certainly a trope people who have watched like two noir films and go oh we have to have the venetian blind shadow for <laughs> yeah. no apparent reason yeah. but in those early original film in actual film noir it was a way of creating a sense of confinement i'm looking out at a world but i'm trapped in this space yeah. and here's another thing and it is absolutely apropos to the discussion about ai Film noir happens because most of the big stars are away at war. Most of the big filmmakers are making propaganda films. Most of them are, are away. Some of them are literally fighting. So the B team are back home with really limited budgets, with really limited budgets for cast. And so they make a bunch of B movies. That's what film noir was to begin with. It wasn't until a little way into the genre that they started making A pictures. So like Stranger on the Third Floor and and you wind up getting stuff like the Maltese Falcon and things like that. And, and these were not big pictures originally. And then RKO, RKO was like a poverty row film studio and they become like the archons of film noir. Today, Warner owns them, but Warner, Warner were like one of the only studios making A pictures in the noir space, right? Well, today, if this happened, You'd probably be talking about, well, if we want to save money, why not save all the money? Make it with AI. Why even? You wouldn't have film noir. Yeah. Because they, one of the reasons for the sparse lighting was they reused sets. They literally had these sets on these big sound stages. They'd kind of cobble them together. They'd literally just have a series of flat white matte walls. And so what do you do with a flat white wall? You light it. That's all you can do. Add smoke, so, water. Super low-key lighting. I remember, um, I, I believe it was Robert Mitchum said on Out of the Past, he's like, they they spent all the real money on the big A pictures. So our sets on Out of the Past were lit with cigarettes. You know, literally. That's <laughs> great. That's what he claimed. But it was true. Yeah. That was, it was the low-key lighting was a budget thing as much as an aesthetic thing. It became an aesthetic <laughs> And that's something we do in comics too, especially manga. Uh, if you look at some of the backgrounds of the forest scene in the back, a lot of it is just noise, visual noise, just slashes of the pen, really like anxious, just making shapes. Yeah. And because you see a few trees in the foreground, you your brain assumes those scratches in the back are also trees. So now I'm asking the audience to participate. Use your imagination to pretend, just like the old noir films. We don't have real sets in the background, so we'll just put shadows 
of objects you assume are behind the camera casting a shadow onto the actors we don't have the budget i don't have the time as the artist to draw every little tree in the forest so i'm going to just suggest those trees are there shadows and light and tricks you know I, as you guys are talking about this i know it's related but not compl totally because uh, obviously you're speaking from experience and 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 expertise here but it's making me think also just as as far as the 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 topic of ai degradating the the actual art itself how spoiled we were as not even just our generation growing up but uh, the the generations growing up even from the 30s throughout the 50s too you know um i was admiring this recently because my my daughter she's she's three and um i got i got her into looney tunes recently i said you want you want you want to meet bugs bunny so i went and <laughs> I, I got all the all the old ones the, even the ones that are banned now and i uh and she started watching it and i'm watching this with her i'm seeing all the things that we used to watch constantly as we would grow up we had it on the vhs compilations and the first thing I started noticing as an adult really analyzing these cartoons is that the music direction for these classic 1930s through 50s Looney Tunes were absolutely remarkable, mm -hmm. especially the instrumental episodes that I never liked when I was a kid because I wanted them to just talk and, and all that. And I realized that this is a work of art. And I mean, there, there's operatic episodes. Elmer Fudd's you know, Viking opera is incredible. And then and you look at what's what kids back then and for generations were being exposed to. You had Wagner, you had Rossini, you had Beethoven, Chopin, Strauss, I mean, there are so many amazing things that we understood these tunes growing up. The Blue Danube, we understood what that was because we got it in cartoons. But, you know, uh, that cross-generational frame of reference is, I think, the greatest loss these days. Um, we, we, you know, we've just shallowed out so much. Uh, we're not really um, introducing any of the old stuff, I guess for obvious reasons sometimes too, but I mean, we were even getting golden age of Hollywood references as kids baked into Animaniacs episodes. Mm -hmm. You know, it, so. It, it that's was in Looney Tunes. You remember that Looney Tunes where uh, they used some of the Warner Brothers contract stars and they had like Humphrey Bogart and Edward G. Robinson and Lauren Bacall and all those early film noir stars. Of course, those were contemporary at the time. Right, those were the contemporary stars when that cartoon was made. Yep, um, man. It, but it seems like nowadays everything's pop culture. But it's all snark and digestible. You know, it, it's all kind of vapid. It's like, kind of like watching sitcoms now. Right, like, sitcoms used to be about making a unique situation that's hilarious and builds to this crazy, catastrophic, hilarious ending. You watch the best Seinfeld episodes or the best Faulty Towers, and you know what I'm talking about. Nowadays, you watch a sitcom and it's like, oh, you're like pop culture reference. Oh, that that's a lot like pop culture reference. You know, and, and everybody's just kind of snarky and sarcastic all the time, and yeah. that's that's sitcoms now. I, uh, you know, there was this, uh, you were saying before, and we were talking about revivals and things the way they were and how they are now. Um, we were talking about Westerns before, and this, this, will, this will be a good way to open up the door to talk more about the, the Ghosts of the Badlands. But you, uh, you tweeted recently, Razor, that 2024 is going to be the year, uh, well, I mean, you've been saying it a lot, but the year of the Western. Is, it's coming back. What ha You already said what happened to them in the first place, but um, what makes you think, aside from this, this this Ridley Scott movie that has been announced is coming out, what makes you think it's going, and also aside from your own contribution to the Westerns, uh, that's, uh, why, do you think that it's time has come again? 
Yeah, I, I mentioned that in my Why Westerns Matter and Why They Should Again video uh, that I put out, I don't know, like a year ago, something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I mentioned it in that because I, I truly believe that. I think it was getting to a point where, well, first off, we mentioned sort of the death of superhero films. Every time a big preeminent genre dies off, Hollywood scrambles to find the next thing. It's clear to me Westerns are at least one of those things. And a lot of that has to do with the success of Yellowstone yeah. and uh, its spinoffs and, and all of that. And I think they're trying to move that into the movie space. Kevin Costner has a big two-part Western horizon. It does actually look good. And he's, he's bet the farm on it, essentially. Uh, he has spent a lot of money. He walked away from Yellowstone just to make this thing. I'm hoping it's good. I'm ho Kevin Costner makes some very, very good Westerns. So I'm hoping that will be good. Um, and of course they just uh, dropped the new Bass Reeves, but beyond that, there's a whole lot of movies in the pipeline that aren't really gonna come out till like late this year, early next year. And it's funny because it coincides perfectly with our comic launching. And that was, <laughs> as George well knows, that was not intentional. Like we just kind of did this because he had a, a little bit of free time between his next project and reached out like, hey, we should do that Western if we're gonna, because I need to work on the next thing uh, if, if we're not going to. And so I dropped the script and that's how we wound up doing it. And it just sort of worked. <laughs> it just kind of fell in place that way. Thank God it but did. But I do feel like that's happening. Um, Ridley Scott has always been about historical stuff anyways. He loves working in history. Kingdom of Heaven, which by the way, the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven is one of his best films. I don't give a shit what anyone says. Um, his Robin Hood, which for all of its faults is fantastic, like visually from a historical epic standpoint. He's great at that stuff. The the movie he made, uh, 1492 Conquest in the early 90s. I mean, he's he's a genius at working with that. So Westerns are right in his wheelhouse. And in fact, his role in the movie, uh, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, one of the visual reference points of our comic, by the way, uh, was actually, that was heavily influenced by Ridley Scott. He was the producer on it and he storyboarded the famous uh, train sequence that Roger Deakins gets all the credit for, um, all that stuff. So like he's been in that and I, and I feel like it's about to come back around. Thing about Westerns is they're cheaper to make than some other genres. So it was kind of obvious they were gonna go in this direction before some other genres. You've already got the Western sets sitting up in like New Mexico. Uh, just waiting for Alec Baldwin to commit murder on them, <laughs> and uh, you got you got your Western sets in California and all over in in Canada where you can get tax breaks for shooting there. Uh, so it was obvious. It's the most cost effective, and thanks to stuff like Red Dead Redemption and Yellowstone, I feel like the audiences were pretty ready for it. Well, let me ask you this then before we go into the actual. I have I have some questions about Ghost of the Battle. Well, here, well, here here's the tagline here. A masked phantom wanders the Arizona Badlands during the 1890s, distributing justice. I, uh, yes. First of all, <laughs> yes. Okay, and I, and and just I, I love just what you've provided on the Indiegogo um, alone as far as visuals go. But uh, l let me ask you this: I asked George this before, and I didn't get a straight answer. I stopped him before I got an answer because I want to know this. Have you two, in preparation or during the process of cobbling this together? Did you ever go for a ride together in Red Dead Redemption? Uh, no, he's not the biggest fan of Red Dead, I don't what? think. What? Why? Play, I play it all the time. Dude, uh, I, 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 even, I, I even do it. It's a rabbit trail, but uh, I respect the game. Uh, yeah. I own it. 
I did not play it deliberately because I didn't want to. I didn't want it to affect the uh, production. Uh, I can understand that. Yeah, okay. I, can, I, I can totally understand that. It is cool though, and would be cool to kind of maybe once you're done or you're in the home stretch of the comic. Sure, yeah. One of the cooler cool things around. to do in Red Dead is once you're off out of that like 19 hour opening, which is the the thing I hate most about the game. Yeah. Once you're out of that and the game actually opens up. Uh, and, and you're in the proper chapters, just jump into first person, put on some headphones, and just be in that space. Yeah, yeah. You can just ride around, hunt animals, fish in a stream. That's what Red Dead Redemption 2 is all about to me. And doing that in like a desert space, which you do eventually get to later on in the game, is mm. like, I think it's definitely worth it. Personally. it you is. can even do it on Red Dead Online, honestly, if you want to be one of the two people who plays that. I know. That, that, that was always the most lonely. You want to talk about loneliest feelings, mm -hmm. uh, going on Red Dead Online. If you don't have your friends meeting you there, it's just, it's, it's terrible. I tried it out. Uh, the problem for me is that, like we were talking about AI. When yeah. AI renders an image, it's taking images made by other people and then kind of collages them together. Yeah. And what I didn't want to do, it's like um, back in the day, you got the fax machine effect, or if you save over JPEGs, you get artifacts too many times. So if I was using reference from movies and video games instead of my own personal experience, um, I feel like it would have created a sort of um, like a, the, the the game of telephone, maybe. That's a better analogy. Mm. I'm now yeah. using references that artists used. They scouted these locations, I'm sure, to render these uh, assets in the game, uh, Red Dead Redemption and all the movies and stuff. I wanted to go to the place myself. Um, I wanted to handle the firearms, for instance, that are all in the story. A lot of the uh, the main character's gun, for instance, um, Razor, you could tell us uh, more about that. I actually handled it. Um, I handled a bunch of the guns that I, I made a clay model of it so I could hold it myself and draw with it. Um, it was really important to me not just to, to look at photo reference or video game reference, but to go there and physically touch it with my own hands. Yeah, and that's honestly that's sort of arcs back around to what we were talking about with entertainment. It's all become self quotation. Uh, one of the greatest guitarists on planet Earth is a man by the name of Ingve Malmsteen. Whatever you think about him, it's one of the greatest guitarists that ever lived. And his big complaint about other guitar players is that they only listen to other guitar players. Yeah, he's like, I listen to Bach and Beethoven and Rachmaninoff, and I try and like emulate what they're doing uh, musically, and that creates whatever I've created stylistically. And, and Yngwie's become one of the most uh, influential guitar players ever, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the way entertainment's got to work, right? You look at the things that we've drawn from inspirationally with the Ghost of the Badlands, I didn't look at many Westerns, right? I looked at Pale Rider, which is a very atypical Western. It's a uh, very small subgenre of Western called Gothic Western, where it's this elemental kind of biblical morality play. And then I steered really hard into the biblical aspect, which I was raised in the church. I'm a Christian, so that was natural. I was pulling from my childhood, essentially. You know, my politics have German subtitles and my religious beliefs have Latin ones. So I, I pulled really hard into the kind of hellfire brimstone sort of. I never knew that about uh, you, Razor. I, I, I always wondered. I always wondered, uh, but I never knew that about you as far as uh, faith and religious life. I guess, well, I, have, yeah, I, guess I haven't paid attention. You can see in the preview pages the main masked vigilante character, the ghost of the Badlands, as everyone calls him. Uh, 
speaks only in King James Bible verses. Hmm. He'll, he'll, he'll write the odd letter, or he might have dictated it. He has many missionaries, so someone else could have written it. You know what I mean? Like, he's got a whole network um, sort of inspired by, and again, we're not drawing from Westerns here, the Shadow, the Spider, Doc Savage, pulp characters of the 30s, Solomon Kane, Zorro. You know, these are, even Sherlock Holmes, drawing from inspirations outside of the genre, to kind of give it a different feel. There's even a little bit of a, a tribute in some of the early pages where, you know, the the ghost of the Badlands says, you know, the only price I demand for you to join with me is Christian obedience, which is kind of a little tip of the hat to the shadow in the first shadow story. When he recruits Harry Vincent, he says, the only price I demand is obedience, absolute obedience, something like that, right? Yeah. So we're kind of drawing from things that aren't traditionally associated with Westerns. Um, and it's not just, you know, pulp stories, lots of different stuff, but especially the Bible, the story itself, the narrative of this first volume follows the arc of Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Like it follows all the major beats of that story. It's funny because afterward I looked back at it, I hadn't completely intended that. And yet there's a whole sequence where he's in prison. There's a whole, <laughs> there's a whole thing, right? Yeah. So it was, it, it was kind of unintentional. It just sort of built itself that way, um, which is probably just the elemental nature of biblical stories. You know, really. uh, the, the, some of your best rants have been about rejecting the uh, the voices of those who have uh, taken the black pill and have really embraced the black pill. And what I'm what I'm seeing here, obviously, what what George is because what what you have publicly on the Indiegogo and then what George brought and gave me a, a, a view of over here, this right here is, this is the remedy for the black pill right there. The culture isn't going to change until we just create new culture. And obviously the world is gonna, is gonna work itself out. There are just forces at play out there that are too big for us to really stop, but um, we, we have all the power in the world to work on ourselves and to work on our art and to, and now the, for the first time in history, media is decentralized enough so that we can cobble together a a very, very large audience for that and, and compete. And you know what? Who cares about competing? Um, let the world just kind of eat itself up as long as this is what's being, being, uh, uh, piece together it's just really incredible and george you know what you got to be you must be pretty um pretty uh, proud of yourself you, you, you should be i i should say because it's visually beautiful i appreciate you saying that uh we talked about this a little before we went on air like i i have the those voices in my head the longer i work on a single page some pages take longer than others you get the nasty like oh you suck your work you're taking too long or this page doesn't look good as oh, yeah. good as others you know and um but i do appreciate you saying that and of course i'm working as hard as i can uh i do hope that this book and other books uh make cultural impacts and stuff but i think it's going to be uh over 10 years we'll look back and say you know this piece or that piece was really important and spawned all these other pieces that inspired other creators and hopefully it'll have like a uh, uh, sort of chain effect of oh this book was made by two guys only and all they did was just sit and wrote a script and drew it that's all they did and oh maybe we can do it too and it'll inspire more people to just like it really only this project only really took two people to finish we have guest people you know hang uh, helping out and stuff but anybody with a script and the willpower to sit through you know hours and hours of drawing you can make a book too uh, it's not that expensive 
and uh, all you need is an audience willing to hook hook you up with a little bit of funding and uh, to pay for you to produce the book and well this this has anthology written all over it have sure. you ha have you even gone that far uh, with that or are you just trying to you just got to get you first of all when does it come out and mm -hmm. then I have to imagine you would just bask in that a little bit but th this seems like something that would is going to have a volume two and three in the work someday well, uh, I'll answer that um, we were initially uh, aiming to have everything wrapped up by January, um, but I'm falling a little bit behind schedule because the um, the inks are just kicking my ass, and uh, all I can do is keep at it this time around. Um, so I can only speak for this book. We've talked about a second book, but um, right now, for superstitious reasons, just my speaking for myself, I want to just focus on this book for now, get it shipped. I want to see what everybody thinks of it, and if Razor wants to work with me again, I'm more than happy to. Um, but I'm not going to assume anything. If people hate my work and he wants to get a different artist or something, that's totally his right. You know what I mean? But like, I just want to do a good Razor, job. Razor, make, make a decision no, right now. Do you, do you want him to come back? Do you feel what I'm saying though? Like, I want to do a good job. No, I want to do a no, good job this he's time. Doing, he's doing a fantastic you job. Know, I'm, uh, I'm late. And, and he is about, I think he's selling himself short on his speed. I'm, an, I'm a comic artist myself. He's doing okay. He, he's moving along at a heavy clip for the style that he's doing. Um, it's... It, it, you're about half done, something like half that. Half done with the and inks. The the pencils are done. The inks yeah, are half pencils done. are totally done. Inks are about half done. Yeah. And then there's going to be a br a little I bit would of coloring. A fairly brief coloring phase. Yeah, um, I mean, we can even get the monochrome editions in print while I'm doing the coloring. Um, if yeah. if you, I'll send it to you, of course. So we talked about this before. You right. can while we're approving the monochrome edition, I'll be coloring and printing the monochromes so that. I don't know if we want to ship them together. We'll figure it out. You see, right. if, if I was sitting on something like this right now, if this was mine, I would be like, oh, why are we adding color to it? It reminds me of the crow. and it, Some it, of the pages it, in the back are on uh, cream-colored paper, and I thought that was a cool effect. Um, if you're holding it, what do you think of those versus the front pages that are white? I, you know what? I, it's too dim in here Can't to make differentiate. Okay. I'll turn the lights on when all we're right. when we're all done. Um, but you know, uh, uh, Razor, for, with the last uh, two and a half minutes of the first half, anything you want to say to to to, to that end about the re release date and and what you're excited about and blah blah blah. We're we're still very much on schedule for winter of uh, for this winter. So winter, know, it'll yes, probably yes. be early next year. But we're we're definitely going to have this uh, cranked out by then. So. And uh, more importantly, it looks like it's turning out really well. So I'm I'm pretty happy about that. We'll of course do the standard editorial mumbo jumbo with you know a dialogue pass and all that fun stuff at the eleventh hour with the you know dialogue balloons and so forth. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, it, it seems like it's right on track. I'm really really stoked for everyone to read it. And yeah, I'm more of a black and white art guy too. But the George has always worked in color. So yeah. number one, I'm I'm totally, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'll be satisfied with the result anyways. Uh, and and beyond that, the people, it was a stretch goal, right? People, yeah. you know, went ahead and paid for uh, the color version. So who am I to gainsay them? The black and white version is out there anyway. And in, in my eyes, it's my preferred version. Well, you know what you can do? Uh, you can go uh, full on noir style when you adapt it for film. That's what you can do. One day when you say, you know what, I, I want to see this thing actually play out. Well, the, 
The, the good thing about comics is you can just use them as storyboards, like Watchmen. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I, 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 in fact, I got to read that again. Uh, there's not. I see. I'm not a very big comic book guy, but I have a lot of the classics. Um, you know, and the Crow, I, the Crow, uh, Watchmen. Uh, what uh, Dark Knight Returns? Was is that is that is that the one that 1985? What, what was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark Knight Returns. Oh uh, man, those those. Those make me feel really cozy inside. Daredevil, Born Again, I, yes. I, I've got those things, um, but I, not extensive. But here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come. We're going to come back on the other side of a quick one and a half minute break. More in the second half uh, with our guests over here. We're going to do your super chats. Uh, if you're on Rumble, YouTube, Rockfin, the direct links to our Pilled channel are right there in the description. Um, there are links there. We put it in the pre-show tweets, the telegrams, truth, gab, getter, all that. And if all else fails, you can always just go right to quitefrankly.tv, which is powered by Pilled, and press play. No paywall, no strings attached, no holds barred, just quitefrankly.tv and press play. And again, this episode will be uploaded in its entirety later tonight on podcasts, on Rumble, on BitChute. But uh, just so you know, there ain't nothing like it live. So click over with us and watch the rest. Uh, Razor, I'm going to put you on mute just for a second. We'll be right back. Okay, okay ladies and gents, don't go anywhere. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, intermission. Frankly. Quite 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 Quite frankly. 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 Quite frankly, how dare you? Hey, Razor, you there? I am. Dude, I, I, I got to ask. Uh, are we ever going to get a uh, typo negative metal mythos? <laughs> not for me. I'm not a big fan. Ah, my heart. 
did you go? <laughs> did you did you see? Nothing on the goth rock. Oh yeah, well I know. I it, it took a it, it actually Although took a while. I look like while. a band member, I'm told. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I just assumed. I don't know. They kind of. And there's a lot of people who try to do what they did, but it, it's just such a complete sound to me. Did you did you see either Metallica or Pantera as they passed through Arizona recently? No, no, no. no. I uh, am about to see Alice Cooper. Oh, well, you just yeah. did an episode on him. That's great. Yes, I saw, I think the last concert I went to, thank God it was the first Wasp show in America in forever. So I, I saw Wasp and I'm glad I checked that off my bucket list. They hadn't toured here in ages. Hey, George, you, you, when was the last time you've been to a concert? Uh, it was actually Alice Cooper. I took my wife uh, for one of our anniversaries or something, or her birthday. And nice. she introduced me. I wasn't. She's actually a huge Alice Cooper fan. I was going to tell you, Razor. She was yelling at the TV while we were watching your uh, two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour thing. She's like, oh, he forgot about this or something like that. She's, like, fact-checking you. It was... So I have two Alice Cooper fans like left here, right here. I'm wow. like, I'm sitting there like, huh, huh, okay, this is how I sound when I talk about video games. That's fantastic. <laughs> I but can't no, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, she's super into. Um, she she was like a metal lover and. Uh, she wore like huge platform heels apparently in high school and stuff. It was really funny. Man, I'm telling you, that was our life. That was our that was high school and college for us. I mean, Anthem I listened to Yanni in high school. Really? <laughs> what about Bjork? No, I listened to video game music and like in uh, orchestras and vi just corny video game and uh, movie soundtracks and stuff. Anthony and I, we're still, I mean, obviously, we still, we still write music over here and we do that. But uh, in high school and, and college, it was it was hardcore hardcore heavy metal type of type of shit and yeah. and we were we had a lot of fun man we played with some great bands we really did my favorite time my fi favorite time out i think still when i look back at it it could have been strapping on lad i probably strapping on lad because it was just an under I, I just i love devin townsend and uh and there's there's more but big shows a lot of great memories you play do you play an instrument razor yeah, I play guitar, and in school, I was a band nerd. I did. I was first chair alto saxophone, so I know how to play saxophone reasonably well. Can play a little recorder because everyone can. You know, I can. I, I can play a few instruments, and so, I've been in bands and stuff. Damn. See, that's, these are things I don't know. Maybe I, 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 they slipped past me, but I had to ask him. Um, what do we have here? And he's actually a very nice guy in real life. He's not like a. Oh, oh, this is just... this. Is I, I won't... No, I, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> the second I met him, he sicked his dog on me, and I was being attacked, stabbed a million times. Well, speaking of do dogs and cars, <laughs> what, kind of, wait, what kind of dogs again, uh, Razor? Because I saw I saw you do posts with the... Uh, uh, he's the a Italian Mastiff. He's a Cane Corso. Big boy. There you go. There you go. That's one. Well, I know that. Um, well, here he actually, I had this leads me to another question about firearms. I wanted to know um, when I was looking through all these pages over here for the Ghost of the Badlands. I just wanted to know how meticulously and deliberately you picked the weaponry, especially when there's close-ups of the revolvers being used. Um, so I just want to know if there's any very specific things for people, Easter eggs for for uh, for gun lovers to to take a note of. It's all period uh, correct. So that's the first thing. 
And yes, I did pick the uh, the weapons for very real reasons. Uh, a lot of it is in the scripts. Uh, you know, with the exception of the odd henchman or whatever, George had, you know, he, he was able to come up with whatever revolver he wanted them to have. And I, I know for a fact he did quite a bit of research. Um, so, but the, the main character, the ghost of the Badlands himself wields a very atypical weapon for the time. Again, we're making a Western, but we didn't want it to be like every other Western, a lot of Westerns that are coming out right now, even though there's gonna be a big wave of them, even if we wind up coming on their heels, we're gonna be different from the pack. So we've kind of future-proofed it a little bit. Mm. Um, the Ghost of the Badlands wields a Bergman uh, 896 uh, model number three, which is one of the earliest successful automatic pistols. It's a German weapon. The whole point was that we wanted for the weapons to actually say something about the characters. So the ghost has a really weird atypical weapon. He could almost be an alien from outer, like he doesn't fit in this environment at all. He's dressed like a gentleman, like a dandy. Um, he, he, where he uses this wacky weapon. His horse isn't from the region. You know, all of these things are meant to suggest that he, he doesn't belong here. He doesn't conform to this environment, which probably goes back to kind of the Christian aspect. You're not meant to conform to the world, right? Mm -hmm. And his, his missionaries, as he calls them, aren't meant to conform either. They're all misfits in one way or another. The surrogate hero of the story, Righty Redstone, is a one-armed gunfighter. I couldn't fit in less. And he's ref he's a reformed bandit, former military guy, reformed bandit, all of those things. So the weapons that they use are, and, and on the subject of Righty Redstone, that's germane to the weaponry question because he uses a cavalry pistol. Why does he use a cavalry pistol? It's, it's a Schofield, right? Because he can reload it with one hand. That's why, right? It's it's easier in the sea. He can literally put it between his legs and he can, with one hand, he can dump the rounds in and then he can just flip it right back up. Uh, one of the main villains is a uh, half Native American, uh, half, half Navajo specifically. And the Navajo were about a generation, well, all the native tribes, they did have firearms, but they were about a generation behind. So a lot of them used like sometimes flintlocks, sometimes, you know, they'd use trapdoor Springfields long after the military had adopted the crag. And so he's got a, a percussion pistol, you know, an old school like Navy Colt and things like that. So all of that's supposed to, the weaponry is not just the weaponry. It's meant to actually say something about the characters. And I, I was pretty meticulous in that. And I know George was really meticulous in learning how to draw them. Yeah, there's a lot of details that, um, like say, I don't know if I want to spoil You said he had one arm, so I guess that's not a spoiler, but like it, 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 he receives a letter, the main character, uh, and he has to open it. And I'm right. sitting there like, I had to sit on my bed as I'm holding the script and I'm like, okay, I'm receiving a letter. How am I going to open it? So I take it with my left hand, open it with my teeth. And I'm thinking, okay, how is he? So as I'm composing the panels, I'm thinking some artists might just have him holding the letter, but I wanted to show him ripping it open with his teeth or him struggling to even do basic tasks with his left hand, his offhand. Um, there's little details like that, that I think uh, add richness. 
Um, yeah. It's it, something that it, you wouldn't even rich. look for as you're reading, but maybe it's something that you would notice on a second or third read or something like that. Well, th this is the kind of care that is really lacking in, in so many, in, in, I mean, we're talking. AI wouldn't do it. And no, it wouldn't. <laughs> it wouldn't. It, it would give it like, you know, you know, seven fingers, weird, some weird <laughs> shit that goes on with AI, man. And I'm bad at drawing hands, too. I, I, well, oh, I remember you saying that last time you were on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're very self-conscious about your hands. I do suck at it. But, um, but that's the kind of richness that you, there's so many, like, for example, if I, if I see, you know, Razor breaking down a, uh, a film that uh, every once in a while he'll do that, but even like Critical Drinker or something like that, um, when I'm, when I'm watching, when I'm watching some people break down things that I know are bad and, and then when, when you really put a microscope, uh, a, uh, microscope to them and you just see how it's just pockmarked all over the place, it really makes you wonder, is this just like, you know, the microwave movies? Does anybody really care about creating a piece of art anymore yeah. or even in that trans sends down to you know visual arts as well that's why I, I love asking these questions to see just how much attention was paid because it's obvious that the attention was paid there um, let me uh, speaking of westerns what do you guys think about um, radio dramas uh, live perform I know that some podcasts you know they're they're doing scripted stuff now but live performance radio dramas I have been itching to do something like that for a long time and uh, a lot of them were westerns so i just i wonder if you guys ever contemplate stuff like that i'm definitely the one to talk about this Go ahead. i yeah. predicted the return of those before they did um because i did a bunch of videos about the shadow and the shadow is a big reference point for ghost of the badlands and of course the shadow was the number one radio drama for quite a while in the 30s and 40s it was it was huge as big as lone ranger or whatever um, so I, I love it. And I think in the age of smartphones and people looking for things to listen to while they work out, while they commute, while they would, I think it's ideal. I also think short fiction is ideal for the same reason, like pulps and, and radio dramas. I think these are two formats that we're just kind of waiting to come back. And sure enough, you're already seeing weebs are now into light novels. What are light novels? They're basically pulps. And uh, and the radio drama, the sort of audio drama, uh, is coming back in a big, big way. They did one of Wolverine. Marvel did one of Wolverine. There's one of Batman that's actually pretty good. Um, kind of cribs some of the Shadows style a little bit. Surprise, surprise. And I feel like it's something that absolutely could happen. Uh, it would certainly work for a story like this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I would see. I, I I would love to do do something like that on radio. Oh, oh, obviously a live stream would be great too. It's more so about the performance edge that I really love. Yeah, but I actually recorded two uh, for Halloween two years in a row. I recorded, there were shadow radio scripts that had survived, but the episodes had not. Because back in the 30s and 40s, they didn't really take a lot of care to preserve the episodes. Mm. Thankfully, hundreds have been preserved, but there were a ton of episodes, and there's a bunch that are missing. Mm. And you had done... So the, uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh uh, No, Razor, you've done a, a Solomon Kane story or two with the one with the hand... Uh, yeah, that was more of a uh, audiobook, but yeah, absolutely. So I did um, The Shadow, The Immortal Murderer, which is a really cool uh, lost episode of The Shadow. I got a bunch of my fans and cast them as extras, and I even had Sargon of Akkad do a role and different stuff. And, um, and, and then I did one the next year called Danger in the Dark, and we just... There were these scripts that have never been recorded. Danger in the Dark was cool because it was one of the first episodes. It was an Orson Welles shadow episode and uh, unfortunately has not been saved but wow. the script is out there 
So we got to basically introduce modern audiences to an episode that no one's heard since the 1930s. Jeez. Um, so that's yeah. I, those are two of my favorite things that I've ever done. Well, there is a written story wow. in the back of Ghost of the Badlands that could probably lend itself well to a, a drama like that if you wanted to do that. Well, yeah, that was another stretch goal. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, just a short three-chapter, little kind of pulpy, action-driven <clears throat> story that yeah. uh, we added. And that's at the back. It's a prose mm -hmm. kind of story with a few illustrations um, in an old kind of pulp style. Yeah. I was uh, I was just recently I was looking I was looking into getting a uh, acquiring a, a very basic script uh, it's a wonderful life just so I can get maybe five people in this room right here and do a lights out uh, but I I'd have to get it the thing is that you'd have to get a foley guy you need to get you need to get some uh, there has to be pretty much soundboard at least yeah or, soundboard you know. blocking there's a lot that that goes into it but I'm I'm so intrigued by it and that's that's really interesting that that is one of the the top three things that you are really uh, proudest of and because um, I, I think it's it's one of those art especially when you talk about radio as a technology I say this all the time it is always going to be miraculous to me to send the human voice through the atmosphere for hundreds of miles maybe even more and receive it on a cheap handheld device television is being destroyed by the internet it's not mobile it's not intelligent it's not interactive but i think radio the only thing that's holding it back is the radio business i yeah. I, I love it as a technology I, I still i always will it's underrated too a lot of people don't realize that radio at its height was way bigger than television ever got ever because and it's for practical reasons right television's number one cost more television's number two they never figured out the mobile thing they never did yeah you had conversion vans that might have a tv set in them or you might a few people bought the mobile tvs at the height of tv but by the end of the 90s into the 2000s television was already starting to die off because you already had alternatives from the internet and video back. games were beginning to supplant them radio at its height 30s 40s 50s was everywhere yes you had the radio set in the home that people listen to but you also had it in cars you also had it you could walk down the street and and hear it coming out of store windows out of apartment windows it was everywhere it was ubiquitous in a way that television never was so in a lot of ways television was an inferior replacement for radio and i think that's why we're kind of think about it how many people do things today folding laundry whatever and they just have something on youtube on as background noise they're not even watching the video the video is completely perfunctory yeah right yep how many how many people in the world millions do that on a daily basis there will always be a uh, a market for some kind of audio platform and i feel like that's why the audio drama is starting to come back because it's just okay i need background noise and this is a little more engaging than just listening to uh joe rogan whisper into a podcast mic. Oh, oh yeah or joe rogan eat a slice of fucking pizza uh yeah, I, killing that, me that lasted killing a me. very long time killing <laughs> me man okay <laughs> killing me yeah. that's why when i heard you start with the gum yeah, when you I'm start sorry. with the gum before i said sorry. are you chewing gum yeah. into a microphone my bad <laughs> No, no, I still, I'm not I, on radio enough to realize I make these mistakes. No, it's all right. Some people love that. Some people pay for it. They they love they love the ASMR yeah. squishy mouth stuff. I I I can't. Yeah. But you know, when it comes to, I think one one last point on that is, with uh, with audio and with radio dramas in particular, I think perhaps since we're talking about AI and everything else, every other way that that uh, movies have been ruined by computer generated images. 
I knew Jurassic World was going to be bad from the opening frames when a CGI sparrow landed on the the grass. I said they couldn't get a real bird to land on the fucking. Fo- I I knew that it was that, that it was going to be a bad movie. But with with radio dramas, it's lights out. You are forcing a person to actually be understimulated and and wake their imagination up. I yeah. love the theater of the mind. It's necessary because we're overstimulated everywhere else. Yeah. It, it does require an element of uh, like that there's y- we were talking about film noir and the way it sort of forced you with that chiaroscuro style to finish the thought mm-hmm. it, it required participation from the audience same thing with audio right rather than everything being served to you on a silver platter and nothing is, it's funny because now people in the entertainment industry are making fun of I just saw, you know, Full Moon Productions, the guys who make Puppet Master and a lot of those low-budget movies, they're advertising a new movie. The trailer just came out called Bad CGI Alligator. And that's the whole gimmick. It's just, it's a bad CGI alligator. It's genius. Absolutely genius. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and unlike unlike the last couple Jurassic Worlds, it actually looks pretty good. Say, so. say. Well, well, yeah, when, when, and that's another thing. When a Tyrannosaurus Rex is being outrun by a woman in heels, there's no you just come on now just please stop this anyway uh, you, okay um well listen hey raise you've already given us so much time i don't want to take up too much more uh you, you've and um so i don't know if, is there anything in particular you want to you want to tell people leave people with uh uh where to pre-order this book if they can or or anything else you have coming out that you want to bring to people's attention Indiegogo campaign is over, but we do give uh, updates on the Indiegogo page, so you'll kind of be able to follow along with the progress. George has been pretty good about kind of keeping people updated on how far along he is. Um, and and like I said, we're about uh, halfway done on the ink, something like that, and uh, and it's turning out pretty great. So I'm excited about it. When it launches, however, and we will have a, an announcement just ahead of that, probably as George enters the home stretch there, um, for the actual launch date when that happens we will launch simultaneously with actual physical editions from our publisher that you can order and actually have and hold in your hands nice if you miss the indiegogo campaign you will still get a hold of the of the book uh, it will however be a second edition so the indiegogo people get something that nobody else got they get a different uh edition a different cover um it's, it's a different book but it is same story and you'll be able to pick that up on launch day and we'll have more news about that a little bit later well you let me know uh if you remember uh you can just send me whatever the hell you want me to give plugs uh to and i'd love to help out get the word and uh, get the word out there because i'm certainly going to be in line for uh, a copy or two of this and uh and again thanks for coming on tonight man i'd love to have you back one day yeah, happy to join you, and good to see you again, George. You too, Razor. All right, you guys, you have a good one, and I'll uh, talk to you soon. Yep. There you go. So, uh, Razor Fist stayed on with us for an extra segment, and now, George, it's just you and me. Oh, my goodness. Yes, 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 indeed. I, I have some super chats that we're going to get around to. Let's do that, okay? Yeah. First one up is we're going to go to Rumble Rants. 925 Wild G says rubber buns and liquor for dinner. Rubber buns and what is a, you know what a, a rubber bun is? Uh, I have rubber buns. No, I don't know what that means. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's not something else. Uh, I don't know. Is, Rub, it, is like it like a honey? Dog, hot dog buns? A honey bun? 
Let me see. See the Shining Season. Great show and guest, Frank. Give me a mo- any spaghetti western in Eastwood or one of my favorites, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Or Valence. Okay. See, I, that's the other thing. Film noir and westerns. Mm-hmm. Something that I am woefully uh, inexperienced with. And I, and I, want, I really want to get into the, to some of them just to say, to have the, the point of reference. Uh, I'm sure that you're getting a little bit of a crash course with this one. Or were you a fan of the westerns prior to this this uh, this project? I watched a bunch of the basics. You know, my grandpa would watch a lot of John Wayne and uh, Good, Bad, and the Ugly. You know, and all those uh, the basic spaghetti westerns that were uh, well, I don't know the Dollars Trilogy and that sort of thing. I would watch those pretty often, and I liked them a lot. Uh, but I didn't know about the deep. There's the different genres, the uh, John Ford stuff, the really early, uh, almost it started as black and white. And then uh, as color started to get uh, added to the mix, uh, Technicolor movies and then um, the Samurai movies really uh, captured my imagination. But that was like Kurosawa, for instance, if you're familiar with his stuff. Yes. Uh, So he was super inspired by Westerns. And so now he makes the Samurai movies that are basically Westerns, but they're set in the Samurai periods. So I'm a huge uh, Japan fan, um, manga and stuff. So I watched Seven Samurai and all of Kurosawa's movies. I love them to death. And those were a huge... Um, when I pull from the DNA of like, what did I grow up enjoying? Uh, I look at manga, samurai stuff. Uh, so since a lot of Westerns and actually Westerns then pulled from Kurosawa and started copying him. So it came back to the Western like with... Um, uh, what's his name? Who did the spaghetti westerns? I forget the director's name now. Sergio Leone. Sergio Leone. I don't remember. Like I said, I'm not the right person to talk to about that. Uh, but yeah, Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and all those were no. Uh, what was the their dirty? Not the Dirty Dozen. The Magnificent Seven was a copy of Seven Samurai, I think. Uh, Fistful of Dollars was f- ripped from Yojimbo, apparently. Uh, but anyway, so there's a lot of cross-pollination uh, between those genres, and uh, I just uh, devoured those when I was a teenager. I didn't really understand them, but as I got older, I rewatched them, and I loved them to death. So, um, I don't know. I don't uh, watch them and say, like, I'm going to draw like that, uh, consciously at least. But um, when you look at lighting and the way that they would pace their shots, uh, that's something I try to think about as I draw. Yeah. Um, but uh, comics are a different medium than film, of course. But when you think about like lighting and page composition, panel composition, facial expressions, uh, there are. I'm not looking at modern movies. Let's put it that way. Gotcha. Um, I'm looking at old movies and how they would frame. Oh, you know, black and whites. I, yeah. I, I. It's incredible how. And of course, there's. It's just a matter of a person attaining a lot of skill in that kind of a a genre. But the way that that certain cinematographers would could make a, a person's face just glow uh, in in black and white films i i always love that i really i really do i want to, let's get to a couple more super chats here jay Britt says wow what a show this is the first time seeing razor fist not hollering thanks frank well hey you know sometimes you got to get a, a point across matthew pickard says uh-oh i got to do this in a shapiro voice Okay, gang, let's say, hypothetically, in Red Dead Redemption 2, Sadie Adler wasn't in the game, and for the sake of argument, ask yourself, what would change, if anything, for the worse? Sorry, I got distracted by my sister's mommy milkers. Excuse me, folks. My goodness. Oh, boy. 
Damn. I didn't know that was, was rated R stuff. It was, it was naughty. <laughs> I heard his I heard his sister's got big milkers. Uh, no comment. No comment. You've probably seen it. It's the internet. I, I only have eyes for my wife, sir. Oh, I know, but it's the internet. Sometimes <laughs> you know something just some things just pop I up. I see. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> anyway, now, now now that it has been put out there, next time you go on on Twitter, the first thing that's gonna whoa. Whoops. All right. Uh, Pete F. says, Hey, Frank, I heard you talking about your show and the work you put into your craft last night. I want to show some appreciation let you know I'm still in the audience. I worked afternoons now, so I have to catch the replay. Be well. Oh, well, Pete, however you enjoy the show, go ahead. The, the approach is never going to change to, you know, as far as the love porn in, uh, uh, poured into this. Porn. Porn. The loved porned into this. Uh, that is never changing. There are certain tweaks that are going to be made um, to make the show, you know, flow a little bit better, and um, and of course, you know, I'm doing a lot of double booking now. I, I have really great ideas to have first half guests and then second half correspondent, quick quick things going on. So uh, there's there's a little thing. There's some stuff I want to sprinkle in and have some fun with and really really experiment big time and then hopefully we'll see how things change when we are able to expand the work staff a little bit that would be uh that'd be something new but thank you pete love you my brother thank you so much all right njsf we're going to go to the pilled real quick then we're going to take another tiny break uh njsf says oh he sends a cookie thank you chai possum thank you sean joe Sean Joe just gifted a one-month bronze tier to people. So now everybody's gifting each other uh, tier uh, uh, subscriptions on Pill. That's amazing. Everybody, remember those subscriptions get you into all the Sunday streams. It gets you into all of the specialty programming like book club. It's just as legitimate a subscription as Patreon and Subscribestar, and directly through QuiteFrankly.tv, which I would just like to put out there. We have uh, a bunch of openings for um polaroids and pen pals and 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 other things uh the 2020 club on subscribe star i would love to see many of you become a sponsor of the show uh that you're the lifeblood of the show you are the lifeblood of the show that's what it's really always been about it's been mainly brought to you by the audience the uh the subscribed audience thank you vesper Thank you, Music Man. Maven says, we love you on Pilled Tons. Thank you, Maven. Maven's a very, very big help, too. Our Four Cents, thank you. Brewbark says, looking forward to the novel. And Captain Flint says, my 13-year-old is huge into Westerns right now. He will love this. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, especially since you know, hey, okay, this is going to get a little violent. But you know where it's coming from. You know that it, it is honest writing. You know that it's not subversive writing. It's um, you, you and I, George, were talking. I guess we should have. I we should have brought up Cobra, with uh, with Razor mm. tonight. I forgot to do that. And by the way, I just got this in from quite frankly uh, the Throwback Thursday crew on Quite Frankly Network. Those of you who are watching right now live on Quite Frankly TV and pilled on the foxhole, the quite frankly foxhole, wherever it's embedded. Tonight for Throwback Thursday, we have a vintage Frankly from November of 2019 featuring John Ward and Thanksgiving nostalgia. And then we have Razor Fist's classic Cobra film review. 
So Razor, his review of Cobra, that's going to be in the After Hours programming tonight as well. So when this all ends in about a half hour, do not, you don't have to go anywhere. Just sit back, relax, cast to your television, and we will take care of the random, wonderful uh, rest of your night. Uh, so about Cobra, you're up against, what do they call themselves, the New World or something like that? Mm, I'll remember it. Uh let me think. Yeah, something like the New World. Um, I know what you mean. See, it's it's that thing that I'm talking about where you're given it, it's it's violent. Yeah. It, it gets rough, but you are there is no mistaking who the bad guys are. There's no mistaking what good and evil is. Yeah. Uh, the only real question is whether or not the good guy is going to bend the rules to go out there and fight those who have no rules. Yeah. That's the only question, and um, and that's why I love about you know honest writing. At least it doesn't you're who, who you know trying that whole convoluted thing of trying to understand where the bad guys coming from and maybe humanize them a little bit. Uh, I, I liked when it was a little bit more black and white sometimes because. Yeah, and that uh, they were doing the Dirty Harry thing. It, Cobra was a sort of sequel starring Sylvester Stallone instead of Eastwood. They just wanted to have a clear uh, instance of here are a bunch of psychos who want to just murder whoever they think is weak in society. It was based off a novel, if I remember. And uh, Stallone's got to uh, work outside the law. He's one of those, um, they call him, the, he's part of the zombie squad. And uh, he's got to... Uh, He's not going to arrest these guys. He's just going to straight up murder them. Yeah. <laughs> but they're murderers too. And when it's clear that they're not going to go down and get arrested, he's got to uh, take them out. And Ghost of the Badlands is a lot like that too, where um, I don't want to spoil anything. But it's not like gory, bad violence. I think I would give it to a teenager and not be worried that they're going to see something that I would think is inappropriate. It's, you know, clear bad guys, bandits getting shot. Um, and then there's the good guys who have their own uh, agendas. And. Uh, yeah, I don't want to say too much. Hey, but. listen, if if Ralphie can go kill Black Bart in 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 a in a Christmas story, then, yeah. then oh, th this is fine. I'm sure you yeah. can handle this. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. thing. Pushing daisies. Oh man. Okay. So listen, ladies and gentlemen, it is 8:32. When we come back, we have about uh, we have we have a few more minutes left over here with George Alexopoulos, who's here, chilling with us for the first time, 2023. I'm really happy about tonight's uh, episode. And since you have arrived for the bonus second half, I would like to invite you to get onto the show and to call in at 914-200-0269. The lines will be open when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Conspiracy. Frankie! Who's that nifty new dreamboat that has the dollies flipping their lid? Somebody. It's Frankie! That's right. Join your Made in the Shade host of Quite Frankly. Quite Frankly streams live Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 Eastern, and everywhere you find your favorite podcast. Goose it on over. For everything else, it's Quite Frankly that TV. I mean that if people choose not to work, if they choose not to contribute to society, why should they have a voice? And, and why should they have a say in uh, what goes on? If, uh, if you're not contributing, then you must be taking away. That's a very right-wing point of view. Well, you can call it what you want, but, you know, I come from, from a background where 
I feel that uh, the average person, normal people, work for a living. They don't, you know, live off the government's back. They don't live off anybody's back. They have pride. They stand on, on their own two feet. If a person chooses not to work, that's fine. But don't go in and, you know, collect benefits because you're too lazy to get up out of bed. I have to wake up for work at 4.30 a.m. in the morning, get my ass out of bed into the freezing cold because I have pride. And yet I pay taxes so some slob can sit in bed watching cartoons while I'm out cleaning a paw for them. That's my point. for the home stretch now it is 835 and we are throwing open the lines it's 914-200-0269 we did a lot of culture tonight there's only one question only one question that i did not ask uh razor that i completely forgot about and that was a, a little ditty about um walt disney he did something for about walt disney maybe about a month or so ago and uh I really just wanted him to hit some of those points on here, but I guess we can do that. Have you ever seen Razor's breakdown? His like his Michael Jackson trilogy. Yes, I've sent that trilogy to so many people. To to, to excuse, I don't know, it's just the one of those figures that we always. Uh, I, I guess we've been trained to see as a lost cause, yeah. and then when you actually examine the situation going on there, I mean, there's no. There's no telling how abused and stunted this man's emotional development was yeah. by the childhood he had, but uh, it's nothing holds water. There's a lot of um, corporate interference and conspiracy stuff. Like I'm into conspiracy stuff. Obviously, I'm on your show, but like I, once you start to piece together, like he owned half of Sony or something like that, and it's like they wanted their shares back. So, well, if he's not going to give it to us willingly, like maybe we'll set up a little something, uh, ruin his name a little bit. And then once you start asking questions, it's like, wait a second, there's all kinds of, um, but again, like we're Americans, innocent do proven guilty. There's a lot of weird situations that he probably shouldn't have put himself in, mm -hmm. but obviously he was not a fully, uh, well person either. He had a lot of uh, issues growing up, like he said that um, if he had stepped back like a normal adult and said, wait a second, this looks really bad. I shouldn't be doing this stuff. Uh, he would have known better. But um, yeah, it looks like he got taken advantage of. Uh, it Razor's stuff always, like, even his Abraham Lincoln video, if you saw that, yep. makes me rethink a lot of things. I'm like, wait, I don't know anything about history. Uh, I'm not hearing both sides of the story. So I just kind of sit back. I'm like, well, I can't speak with authority on any of these subjects, but I just kind of step back and say, all right, uh, I probably know nothing about history at this point. I, I was really, I loved when he put out the Abraham Lincoln thing. I have uh, a few books from, I mean, Thomas DiLorenzo and a few others that really break down uh, a, a lot of the circumstances and the, the happenings of the so-called Civil War that, uh, that really shed new light on it. Uh, how much of a how much of a for slavery really, slavery really was as a motivating factor? Um, how of course both parties use it to 
you know, saber rattle in modern day. Sure. Um, and then, of course, there's the other things here too. I, I, I think I actually texted or I DM'd uh, Razor a, maybe about a, a couple of days after he released that video and asked him if he ever looked into the trial that never was, the trial of Jefferson Davis, where the federal government actually went, they went out of their way to avoid putting him on trial because he was he was not going to be convicted of anything he was not you know as far as the the uh the question of secession was concerned they wanted to avoid having fought a three or four year war nearly a million people on both sides combined civilians untold uh damage to infrastructure and everything to have all that transpire for those years just to have him walk you should look into the the story of the trial of Jefferson Davis, the trial that never was. And I, I uh, well, I, I hope that uh, Razor looks into that one day. It's really a fascinating one. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, 914-200-0269. We're uh, leaving this one open just for a little bit. And here we have a call coming in. 713, you're on the air with George and Frank. What's going on? Oh, my gosh. Hello? I think I'm going to hang up. And we call you back. Why? I did not expect this, quite frankly. The way. Why? Hold on, hold on. Let me just turn off. Let the sh- me move this out of the way. Yeah, turn this off. This ridiculous. Turn off the show too. I'm the I'm the worst caller ever. Well, why would you call if you didn't think? Go, you'd get on. How? Why? why? Uh, okay, I got it. I got it shut down. Okay. So I can't believe this. Uh, sorry about that. I I'm the guy who was the worst caller in the universe two months ago. Oh, okay. And now I'm the new. Now I'm the newest worst caller. You're you're here to reclaim your title. <laughs> yeah, it's my brand new title. Okay, well, listen. Uh, tell me what's on your mind, and don't worry about anything else, my friend. You got it. You got it, Frank. Um. I am caught so off guard, man. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. I'm not very smart. Uh, it's not. Hey, Holy listen. It's not about being smart. All right. So you, you must have had something so, on your mind. Um, were you guys talking about Socrates, or uh, were you guys talking? No, you were not talking about Socrates. Were you watching the show, sir? Yeah, I I was watching the show, and you got this really smart dude on there. I just thought I'd fall in line and get into a. Uh, 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 all right. You know. Uh, all right. Yeah. I. I okay. Well, Frank, I really. All right. I'm ruining the whole business. Okay. Don't worry everything. about it. You call in some other time, and when you call in, listen. Here's the thing, and thank you for the call. He keeps apologizing. I don't want him to beat himself up, but you know, here's what you do: have the thought of what you want to say. And then make the decision to call, and then it, then you're good. It's really not that bad. Yeah, people get nervous, I guess. Drop the question, hang up, if you need to. Yeah, yeah. You don't even <laughs> tell me your name, and and I, I don't I don't ask for a name. I usually just throw out your your area code so you know that you're on, and don't worry. But um, or just curse me off and yeah, just drop drop a couple of curse words and you know back See? into the. The ether you go. Okay. Uh, well, we have a little bit more time for uh, one or two more people. And uh, you call on in 914 200 0269. We can go on 
with our time. Uh, we can go on with the rest of the evening. So I, um, I had a few other things that I wanted to do with you. There was just a little bit more on the news end of things, but I, I don't think that it's, it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I guess what I would say is, what are your closing thoughts on 2023? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to be back on any time <clears throat> before the new year. Obviously, you're always, uh, you're always uh, uh, invited to the Christmas party, mm-hmm. but it's been a long year. There's been a lot of crazy stuff going on. You have gotten yourself involved in a really, really impressive uh, project that is about to be released to the world. And uh, what are you feeling about this year in total, and what are you feeling looking forward to 2024? Well, all I'm really doing right now is just working on this book. It's going to be a lot more work for me as far as, like, I wake up thinking about it, I go to bed thinking about it. I just need to, as quickly as possible, without sacrificing quality, finish the inks. So there's about... I won't say how many pages left. There's a lot of pages left, but um, a couple months of uh, pretty serious work. I'm not doing my other strips in the meantime. Uh, so, like, I'm, I'm listening to the news, and sometimes an idea for a comic strip comes up, and I guess people know me for my strips. Uh, a bunch of people do. Mm-hmm. So I don't have time to do those. Uh, and sometimes it's like, oh, I wish I had time, but whatever. So I, I'll let it go. Um, but, yeah, for the next few months, I'll just be hammering away at this, and hopefully soon... We'll have a proof copy. I will send the proof copy to Razor. We'll look for approval, do some editing, uh, ship 5,000 books. I'm not looking forward to that. And then uh, I'm planning to take some time off in early 24, do some more research. If I'm going to do more uh, books in this setting, uh, I actually want to learn how to ride a horse the next time. Huh. I'm going to, yeah, actually do some like more scouting, photographs, training, more firearms training uh, for sure I'm not like a super expert with guns but uh, you know I, I fired like old west guns as practice for this I, I actually le- had to learn how some to of reload. Razor's guns uh, I handled some of them yeah took a bunch of uh, pictures and stuff And but I went to an actual uh, oh jeez I went to yeah. a range where uh, I had to learn how to reload like old west guns and they're different than modern guns and his specifically, he talked about the Bergman, I think it's called Model 318s, 90-something. Um, the way that it reloads, I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, so I had to do research to figure that out. Um, but yeah, there's uh, a lot of research I need to do if we're going to do another book together. And again, I'm not going to assume anything. Um, I'm not happy with my performance on this as far as my speed. Uh, I think the art can be improved. So I want to do some really hardcore training as fast as possible. Uh, so if we do another book together, uh, I want it to go smoother. And that's pretty much all I'm going to be thinking about for 24, unless there's time for me to do strips and I want to do Goofberry Pie 2, the children's book that I was working on. Aurora is almost ready for Goofberry Pie, by the way. She was like, <laughs> good, when, when you gave it to her last year, I was like, okay, she's, she needs just a little bit more time, but now she's she's picking up more con- complex you know, plot concepts and things yeah. like that, and she's asking questions. But as far as you know, listening to you talk about what you have to, what you have to make better and and all this, uh, I, I hear so much of myself there mm-hmm. because when I, when I look at what's on paper over there, it looks incredible. So only a perfectionist, only the artists themselves would actually be, uh, would, only, would, would actually hyper fixate on that. And that's what's good. That's what drives it all to get better. It really is. And I, that, I've never ridden a horse, so that's going to be 
That's going to be awesome for you. Well, it's no, going to be very ironic if someone were to film me. Like, I'm a pretty short guy, so, like, I, I don't even know if I can get on the horse, first of all. You look I, like Napoleon. Yeah, I'll look, I'll look absolutely ridiculous, and someone should film it. But, um, you know, I, I, it's going to be with professionals. Uh, they know what they're doing. Uh, I'm going specifically to a very specific place so I can, like, ask a million questions. Uh, do a, like really serious research. Like I, I've never really interacted with horses in real life before, aside from like going to a ranch once in a while and like taking pictures and like trying to do sketches. But like I'll be really focusing for days at a time. I want to hear a little bit more about where you're going after we take this call. Two one zero, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi. Hey, who's this? This is Ethan. Valentino Brown. Okay. And how you doing tonight? Good. I I sent you a message when you were live this one time and <laughs> and I sent you one today. I don't know if you have got it you or s- you sent you sent what? What did you send? I've sent you a message on Rockfin. And I'm watching you right now, and I just wanted to let you know that 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 you are like you got me into liking everything, a lot of the stuff that I have like that I like now, and you've helped me, like because the one time you said call me, text me anytime you need to that. That's helped me. So my mom, we saw your number, and I was sitting and watching you, and she said, oh, let's call him. Let's see if we could call him. And I guess we called you like three times, and then this time you answered. But, but this this time you got through? Yeah, this time we got through. Okay. So 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 what what what, what are you into now? What, uh, what are you interested in now that you learned from this show? That's what I want to know. Um, probably mostly politics. Really? Oh, man. the most interesting to me. That, okay. A lot of people, every time my friends say they're so, like, they're boring, I'm like, what? How are they boring? I know what you mean. Uh, I used to be that way. I, uh, I used to be that way. I I mean, obviously, after a while, though, you got to take a break so it doesn't eat away at your, your, your uh your happy uh you know your happy mindset always stay happy once you start feeling like you're down in the dumps you have to go and uh, and and put your focus on something that's going to wake you back up and make you feel good again because politics can get dirty but that's really good that you're paying attention to things that other uh other people think is is meaningless because it, it can be a grind but it is not unimportant and Okay. Well, what do you think about flat Earth? What do I think about flat Earth? Well, as long as yeah. it's, it's as long as it, the Earth stays under my feet, I don't care what what shape the Earth is at this point. But thank you so much for the call. It's great to have you on. And what are you doing for the rest of the night? Probably just gonna watch you read my message in the morning. Cause by the time you read it, me and my mom are gonna be asleep. Okay. And then, and then I guess from now I'm probably just gonna watch the rest of it 
Okay. Well, well, there's not there's not much left, so you go and enjoy yourself, and thank you so much, my friend. There you have it. They got through. Look at you corrupting the youth. Oh, I wish they wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I wish it wasn't politics. I, w- I was hoping that it's a little something a little bit more fun there. Cowboys. But, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Cowboys, Indians. We're talking about a lot of cool stuff here tonight. Uh, drums, drumming, music. But you know what? You start one place and it leads to something else. All right. Well. Anyway. George, last thing here. You said you're going to do a little bit of travel. Obviously, there's travel for work. Yes. Like, like you, you went down, you went down to the desert there. You wanted to just uh, be um, in the geography. You wanted to absorb all that and bring that into the uh, your, your your laboratory. But as far as travel for pleasure, is there any places you want to go to just kind of decompress and and change the scenery a little bit before you get down for another long year of work? Where, where, where's that going to be? Well, you know, um, I'm going to be traveling for the book release, uh, probably back down to the Phoenix area, and um, I would love to do to do a road trip instead of actually taking a plane. I want to, you know, I've never actually done a cross country trip or anything like that, so mm-hmm. I want to take different routes. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but like I want to actually see the country and take my time and not worry about like, oh, I have to be at a certain place at a certain time. Um, I mean, I want to go through the South. I want to go through the Midwest. I have not been to every state. So, like, internationally, I'm probably not going to do it. Not for a while. I don't trust... I don't know what's going on politically and all this. Like, my, I got family that want me to go to Greece and stuff. I'm like, no, nah, it's not going to happen. So. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm a, I feel a little weird. And, I mean, I want to. And I want there to be... Uh, I want there to be a little bit more reason to go and a little more confidence but there's plenty to see here at home and we can see how everything shakes out first so that's I, i'm with you on that america's a big beautiful country there's so much to see here um but again we don't know what's going to happen in the next year with like maybe they'll even close interstate travel or something like who knows so uh yeah i'm just focused on the book right now uh i want to drive around but you know our area is beautiful i just discovered um high point state park northwest new jersey there's like all these mountains a huge monument that you could see like for miles in every direction it's at the um where pennsylvania new york and new jersey intersect at the very corner yeah and you can see miles and miles beautiful um but yeah there's so much around here that i just want to explore and uh, i can't travel very far right now because of the book but when i do signings we'll see Yes, yes, we will, and I'll be checking into you, uh, your progress the whole way, man. Because yeah. you're you're one of those guys that I like uh, I like keeping tr- tabs of, especially since I consider you a local. I mean, there's it's sure, there's yeah. very few people that come over here and are able to come over here and bounce into a into an in studio broadcast with me. So I'm really I'm really appreciative of you uh, you being here tonight, and it was. Uh, I don't know. That was like a, a, a bucket list item having Razor on too. So a lot of good stuff happened tonight, and I hope you both come back. Um, yeah. With that, I'm going to take uh, take a, a look at the gold pills one more time, make sure everybody's having a a good time. Let's see here. Oh, now everybody's just giving each other bronze subscriptions, including one of the head honchos that pilled, Matt1776. So this is it's wonderful to see. Claim those subscriptions, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the the inside track, along with everybody else that's on all the monthly subscribing uh, platforms. That's all. Good night. Good night so much. Uh, And thank you so much to everybody at home. And good night. And thank you, uh, George, for sharing all this. My pleasure. Yes, absolutely. Anything else you want to plug before you go? 
Um, no, I'll leave it for leave it here for now. I'll bring a copy next time. How about that? Oh, we'll, we'll, we can well, see what you think of it. I'm definitely going to be buying a few though. All right. So if you have like a special something kind of a relic or a collector's item you want to give me, then okay. then fine. But I'm it. I'm definitely buying a couple of copies and uh, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. You too. All right, everybody. That's it. We're just about 9 o'clock here, and um, we will talk to you tomorrow. It's Friday night. Matt will be in studio, and, uh, and we'll close this one up all the only way that we know how, and that is just having a good time. I hope I can count on you to be chilling. All right. Bye-bye. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before our live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Jay Britz, who just left another super chat, and he says the Polaroid perk is great for the subscribers, but Frank, enough already with the dick pics. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't stop sending them out. Polaroid. Uh, thank you again, Jay Britz. Matthew Picard, thank you for making me talk in a Ben Shapiro voice for the first time in my life. And thank you, Pete F., for being out there. As far as all the gold pillars, you guys have really, really outdone yourself. And Maven is out there starting a cookie fight at the last second. She's asking for somebody to come at her, so I hope that you all play nice. All right, that's it. Thanks again to uh, everyone. Tomorrow's another day. Good night, and go to quitefrankly.tv or stay re where, right where you are, whether it's on Pilled or whatever. It's Throwback Thursday, and it's beginning now. I'm going to come. Do not come. Do not come.